Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. Hi, and welcome to Connecting a Better World, where we spend time meeting some of the most incredible human beings who make this world a better place. We will learn how each individual took their ideas, mission, and purpose to create and serve others in business and organizations that surround social good, social entrepreneurship, and social impact, and find out how we, together, can further connect others to help. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Phillips. Today, we will be talking with Jessica Starr, founder of The Muse Effect, a nonprofit organization dedicated to raise social awareness through performance art. Receiving an award as a top-rated Great Nonprofits of 2019, Muse Effect is committed to fostering a constructive dialogue on social issues through performance art while enriching and empowering audiences of all socioeconomic backgrounds. Muse Effect explores topics relevant to today's society with a purpose to ignite personal initiative and encourage healing. To experience the Muse Effect is to feel the synergy between art, intellect, and intention. These three principles, woven together, cultivate positive and permanent changes that elevate the quality of life among their participants. So Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about who you are. You know, I've done an intro on you and I know my listeners are kind of geared up to listen to what you do, but you are in the dance world. So tell me a little bit more about how you started in the dance world and to where maybe you are right now. Of course, yes. So uh, like a lot of young girls, my mom put me in dance classes when I was very young because Anytime a good song came on in the grocery store or a good song came on in the car, I could not hold still. I've always <laughs> been moving and twirling down the aisles, um, you know, ever, ever since I was born. So like a lot of young girls, my mom put me in dance and was something I always loved and I always was extremely passionate about. I did competitions at a young age as well. And the, the one thing that I love to share with um, a lot of people and all young aspiring dancers is in fact, I was never the dancer that was front and center. I was never the dancer that I got all the lead parts, but I was the dancer that always was the most passionate and the most enthusiastic. So, you know, the awards I was getting were that I had the best facials or the best energy. You know, I was never that one that was like the chosen one. And a lot of times I think young artists get, um, very discouraged if they feel like they're not getting a lot of recognition at a young age because they feel like they're not going to be able to have what it takes to do professionally. But, um, you know, I think I am living proof that it's always like passion over perfection at a very young age. So, so yeah, so I competed growing up. I did a whole competition circuit, performed a lot on stage and going into college, like if you would ask me what I would want to do if I had no limitations, it would have always been dance, but Um, I didn't really have anybody quite in my life at that time that was saying, you can do it, you're good enough. So sadly, I didn't think I could dance um, past high school. And I went forward uh, to the U of A in Tucson, Arizona and did a major in media arts. 
And I took like the basic like ballet class with the football players Friday morning, <laughs> 8 a.m. I was like, that was the only class I could really get into because I didn't get accepted as a dance major at that time. But I'll tell you what, a couple months into college, I missed dance so much. Like without it, I really realized how it was such an integral part of um, my mental and physical health. Like I just missed moving my body and having that creative outlet. So I actually started the U of A's first hip hop team. And a lot of people said, you're a freshman. Yeah. A lot of people said, you're a freshman. You're never going to be able to do it. No one's going to come audition. And I'll tell you what, if anybody ever tells me no, I'm like, watch me. Like that really fires me up. Yes. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. So I actually had so many people show up to that audition that the fire marshal came and shut the audition down. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. And I think that's, you know, if if I could explain like sort of my outlook and my um, sense of perseverance in like one story, it would really be that because a lot of times people told me no. And I turn around and say, you know what? Watch me because I, I really, um, I'm passionate and determined and you know, whatever it is that I'm sort of set out to do. Yeah. And I love that you, you shared that story when you were young too, because my daughter has been at those competitions and the conventions. And, you know, it is one of those things where as a parent, you try to decide, do you have these conversations with your daughter at a young age, you know, about, it's it's not all about being in the front. It's not always being chosen for the one that gets the award or the certificate or the scholarship or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. So I love that. So thank you for sharing that with you about your journey because I think that's important to know and to see as you continued to even maybe sway a little bit away from your passion, how it kind of drew you back into making who you are now. Yeah, so that's awesome. Okay, so college, you started this amazing hip hop team then. And yeah, so where did it go from there? Well, the really funny thing is that a lot of the dance majors um, ended up on my team. I ended up choosing them because they were so talented. And uh, one morning when I was in that ballet class with the football players, the ballet mistress came in and she said, Jessica, who's Jessica? You know, I was raised my hand. She's like, I need to talk to you after class. And that was crazy because she didn't know who I was since I wasn't on her program. And I came to her after class and she said, what's this hip hop thing you're doing? And she said, a bunch of my dance majors are in your hip hop team. What is this? And I just said, well, because I didn't get accepted into your program. Like I needed to find an outlet and a space to create, to perform, to be in a community of, of artists and movers. So because I didn't get accepted into yours, I created my own. And she kind of looked at me and she said, you know, if you're training my dancers, I'm training you. And she handed me over my schedule. She said, this is your new schedule. And that's actually how I ended up being able to train in the dance program, which actually Uve happens to be top 10 in the nation. So it's a very prestigious program over there in Tucson. Wow. A lot of what I learned at a young age, and I think I still think about today is, you know, like there's so many paths from point A to B. Like it's not one straight line. And a lot of times people just focus on like that one way and they think there's no other way. But the reality is, is like we all have the ability to sort of forge our own paths and create our own way to get there. And if one direction doesn't work, then there's another one that's meant for us, you know? So I always like to tell young dancers these stories because I feel like I was the exception to the rule and so you can be too. You know, there's not just one one path in one way. If it's something you want to do, you just got to like focus in and like get creative with how you get there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So then did you you create your business first and then 
the other portion came in with the Muse Effect, or how did that happen? Yeah, well, after I graduated college, I moved to LA, and here once again, it's, I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to create a career in LA with dance, because of course, it's a highly competitive industry out here, and I didn't really know anybody in the dance world yet, so um, I moved out to LA, and basically started working, like, pa for productions, I was walking dogs, making, like, $1,200 a month, just walking people's dogs, I was, like doing all this casting for like MTV and VH1, just like trying to figure out like where my place in the industry was going to be. And I got one job, one dance choreography job that led to another, led to another. And it was really amazing. Like just the way sort of I stepped away from it and it brought me back in college. The same thing happened to LA and the jobs that I kept getting offered, you know, more opportunities and more financial gain. And, you know, we're always the dance choreography jobs. So, um, I built my LLC, which is Muse Dance Company, which is a dance workshop company in my first years in LA. And that was since 2005. And basically, um, I met so many amazing choreographers and teachers out in LA. And I was like, I love being able to share like my talented friends with other people. So I started bringing those teachers out with me to different studios all around the U.S. and internationally as well and started teaching workshops and master classes. So that actually came first in my younger years. And then what ended up happening, I was doing all this work in LA. That was amazing. I mean, I'm just so blessed to have been able to work with some really great companies. I did a lot of Reebok industrials for a long time. I helped choreograph, um, this is the choreographer on Alton John's Vegas show. Like I worked on like H&M commercials, like all these really great things. And the strange thing was, is I'd walk off set, like big names, great resume builder, a nice looking paycheck. And I was feeling so unfulfilled, like glass half empty, and I kept looking at myself like, why am I not happy? Like, why am I not feeling fulfilled with this work that I'm doing? Like, it doesn't make any sense because on paper it looks great. But like, for me, it was not the end all be all. And then um, my one of my close family members actually um, started suffering from a really severe eating disorder. I tried to talk to her about it, but it was very hard to communicate and I wasn't able to really help her in the way that I wanted to. And so as, as a lot of artists um, go, like when you can't talk about it, you create on it. So I actually created a piece called Look at Me. I called a spoken word artist that I had met at a um, previous job and I sent her pages and pages and pages of just like free writing about um, this family member. And she created this piece called Look at Me. And um, I created a dance to it. It was a solo originally, and then it became a full group piece later on. And I remember I actually returned back to my college, the U of A, um, and performed at this showcase they call Jazz It As, and did a piece about eating disorders. And I remember you could hear a pin drop. Like it was just spoken word artists. There's no music. and was so like the the tension and the energy was just so thick in there and we were the last ones in the show and I remember coming out in so lobby and um, greeting my dancers and congratulating them and we just got flooded by young dancers by parents you know people telling me you know mom saying I'm never gonna tease my daughter about that second piece of pizza um, you know with some girls and, and guys alike coming up to us saying I didn't know people felt that way I didn't know people understood that and it was like all of a sudden 
the stars aligned and like my glass, my glass was overfilling, oh. overflowing with just fullness. And I felt like this is where I'm supposed to be. Like this is the kind of work that I'm supposed to be doing because it's affecting people. It's impacting people. It's moving people. It's, it's connecting strangers and it's bringing, you know, using dances, you know, and everyone loves to watch dance. So it's just using this vehicle that is typically used for entertainment value, but we're telling stories and um, igniting healing in people. I left that night going, this is it. Like, this is what my calling is. So um, shortly after that, I was really um, graciously met by a, by a, a private donor who um, said, you know, this work needs to be seen by everyone. And then he helped me to actually start a 501c3 nonprofit and continue to push our vision forwards and outwards and um, allow people to see the work that we do. So we've been, we've been making magic ever since, and it's been just amazing. And it's every day I wake up excited about the work I get to do and the people I get to touch. So your dance company started in 2005, and then how much longer was it until the 501c3 came about? We just had our sixth birthday in December. Okay. So much, much longer after. And you know what's really amazing is, so when I was traveling, and it's, it still happens to say, when I travel the globe and I'm teaching master classes and workshops, what happens is every once in a while, I meet a dancer who really connects with my work and I can feel really understands the concept of dancing for a purpose. So I'll be in Ohio or I'll be in Arizona or I'll be in Costa Rica or, you know, and I'll meet these dancers. I just, it's like something special. They're really connected to the kind of work that I do and vice versa. And they kind of like just say, Hey, I want to train with you. I'm like, okay, let's go. So they'll travel around and they'll train with me and we'll start building these really amazing relationships with the really strong foundation of just trust and like understanding the kind of work we're doing. And, um, you know, they're great. They have great style, great sense of artistry. And then the more work they do with me and then I have, you know, jobs in LA and I'm like, you want to come on and do this? You want to build this? So it's amazing because this core group of like 12 dancers that I have right now on the company, I've known them forever. Like I've known this, you know, them for like 10 years plus because I started training them in their studios when they were 14, 15, 16. And now majority of them are in their like mid to late twenties. Um, and then I've got this whole younger generation coming up of, of artists who are in college and, you know, high school still, and they're, you know, kind of following the paths of the dancers in front of them. So it's amazing because the dancers that are dancing for me now, I've known them, I've been training them at their studios since they were in high school. Which is incredible because I feel like you're going to get more and more and more at your core of 12. I mean, because you're giving them, it's exactly what you said, it's dancing for a purpose. And, you know, I've watched pieces where you watch pieces and you're watching the lines, watching the musicality of it, right? And you're watching different things. But add a purpose to that, like I get chills and I start to tear up, you know, because oh, there's meaning to it. It's almost like it's a, it's another yeah. level. It's taking you to another level than just enjoying the actual dance and the piece and the music and all together. But once you have that sort of 
you know, you, you have an issue that you're talking about, it, it, to me, it takes it to a whole nother level. And to elicit that type of physiological response, watching a piece like that, or hearing spoken word, you know, or whatever it is. I mean, it is huge. I mean, you're taking things to a different level. And that's what I think was just mm. drawing me into some of the work you do. You know, so speaking about that, this Dancing for a Purpose, you've got some incredible and amazing videos on your website. I'm going to have your website in our show notes so that people can go and watch some of your videos. You know, they touch upon issues of inclusion, bullying, body image, like you said, cancer, climate change, social activism. Okay. Texting and driving, you know, I mean, (laughs) like what is, I don't even know if you can choose one of your favorite projects or stories, you know, um, that you've experienced while giving back. How do you find some of these things and how does it start in your mind as a little flicker of a flame of, huh, that could be an interesting type of project. And then is it like the idea first, then the music and then the choreography? I mean, how does that all work in your mind in taking on another project? First of all, thank you so much for your awesome feedback on all our work. We're so passionate about it. And I think it just, for me, even just hearing from someone like you, like how much it impacts you and affects you, like it really means a lot to me. So thank you so much for sharing that. That's huge. Oh, you're welcome. You know, it's interesting because every project I think gets developed a different way. Sometimes I hear a a perfect piece of music that just speaks to me right away. Sometimes I see a location that I have to film at and then that sparks the idea. And then sometimes, honestly, I'm just sitting there and a news story will pop up on TV or, you know, something will come across my, my feed on my social media and it just hits me in a very gut-wrenching sort of way that leaves me in a space to think like I have to develop a piece on this. Um, Even more personally, I believe I use a lot of uh, personal life experiences myself or people within our community have gone through. And that's part of what makes the performances so real and so raw is because um, I'm not creating stories. I'm just telling stories that already or in existence and that impact and affect people we love. Um, I remember I was sitting there and the story of the Pulse shooting in Florida came across the news and it just hit me um, so hard. And I have so many friends that could have been at that gay nightclub that night. Like it, it does, you know, it could have been anybody. And just to think of the thought of losing them because someone had different beliefs or had, you know, this, this urge to just injure and hurt people they didn't even know, like blows me away. And when you take that concept and we develop it within our dancers, like we don't just, when I have my dancers dance, I'm not just teaching them eight counts. Like we talk about the concept and we, you know, share like, how does this concept affect you? What is your experience? So we're developing these like emotional ties, like personal, real and raw. So like what we've gone through and even if it's something like I haven't been through, but maybe one of the dancers has like he or she tells a story and then we're able to connect that way. So everything has such an honest, real feel to it. And I think that's what you can, that's what you can feel when you watch on stage. You don't just see the reciting movement. It's like, they're really and truly connected and committed to the emotional storyline. And sometimes I'll ask them, like we've been in rehearsals for this last two, three weeks, putting together a new show for Australia. And I'll ask them like, okay, how, how would this piece end? Like, how do you want the story to end? You know, I have this one piece about how like addiction can affect 
the whole entire family unit. And it's like, what's the, what's the end of that story? Like, how do we want our audience to feel? You know, is it, we're just done with them? Is it like together we can get through this? Is it like, what is it? And sometimes we'll just sit there and brainstorm and play, play with different concepts and ways we want the audiences to feel because you know, it's not just about like my eight counts. It's about overall story and the dancers have so much valuable input into the movement as well that it really like helps to engage them in the storytelling and not just do it for them, you know? Mm -hmm. And I see such a connection as if it's like a family for you. And, and I get Mm -hmm. that just being in the dance world too, that you do have a family and you do have to be connected when you dance together. But again, it's like going the extra mile. And when you're having those discussions about real issues, you know, that and you've got to see these kids from high school, like you said, into now their 20s. I mean, you get to see this transition. You're probably, you know, like a mom and closer to them too, because you're having these conversations and some parents can't even have these conversations with them either. But in addition to that, it's not the conversations, but it's getting their emotions out in that art form of dance, you know? And so I just imagine your company as being such a closely knit family because you're sharing such raw, maybe emotions and details with each other in order to create such a real experience for people that are watching it. So it's incredible to to watch. I mean, that's that's what drew me in when I watched the program that you had here in Boulder too. Um, so it's exciting. And again, like I just can't see any of your dancers leaving your company because it there's such a I, I imagine that there's such a huge connection there with There everybody. really is. Yeah, there really is. They're very like tightly woven together, you know, because we've been through so much together and we've um, developed so much work together. It definitely is a very unique thing, for sure. And the really great thing is we have these different summer experiences and we actually have a spring break one that's starting tomorrow, actually. We call it the Muse Experience and essentially it's not, um, we put it out for dancers, young younger dancers to apply to be a part of and um, they have to create videos and the videos aren't just let me see you dance. It's like, let me see you dance. And then also let's talk about what you're doing for your community or how are you involved or how are you interested in getting involved and like giving back. So we're looking for not just good dancers, but good people that have like-minded interests. So we have these One programs. that think as well, right? Oh I mean, yeah, that Think absolutely. about the issues. Yeah. And have a, have a voice. It's giving them a voice basically. Absolutely. So we have auditions and we, and we choose groups of dancers to come out and train with us in LA. And so not only are they dancing a lot and we do different workouts and we challenge, you know, we do rock climbing and trapeze work, things that sort of test our boundaries and our fear. Um, but we also do writing workshops, acting workshops, like again, diving a little bit more into like their mental, emotional self. And um, through, and then every program that we do, every music experience, we create a PSA with them. So um, what's really great is, you know, you've got this core group, group of dancers that we call Muse Effects, but we have what we like to lovingly, lovingly call them as musers all over the planet because they come in and we create work with them. So like now you're getting 30 new young voices with creative minds and different life experiences and we use their life experiences to develop work and we use you know their unique perspectives and life journeys so we're also bringing in all these younger artists and it's really beautiful because again every once in a while you'll meet someone who's just so 
innately connected to what we do in our mission that we see them summer after summer after summer. And that's how we develop our relationships with our new company members. Um, a lot of times people say, how do I audition? I'm like, you don't audition. You come, come train with us, come experience what it is to do the kind of work we do. Because for me, I want to know, you know, an hour 14 of the day when you're hungry and you're tired and you're sore, I want to <laughs> know that you still are a good person with a good heart and love to do this kind of work with us. Um, but it's through that way that we've actually been able to invite a lot of uh, apprentices and company members on is through a summer program. So it's been amazing. And then uh, there's such a beautiful cyclical like um, growth that happens by my, you know, of course my mentors, my older dancers are dancing and the younger ones are so inspired by them. But the opposite happens just the same. Like you come in, you see these younger artists and my older dancers are like, wow, they're amazing. I better step it up. You know, I better work hard. I better be a little more vulnerable and open. And, you know, so it's a beautiful sort of inspirational circle that happens um, between the artists. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. So the summer training programs are called the Muse Experience and also the Mini Muse Experience, or that's a younger age, correct? Yeah, that's correct. We do the Mini Muse uh, ages, we say 11 to 16, and that's only a five-day event. And then we do 16 up, and that's our like 12-day event. So yeah, we offer offer programs for both age groups and just to kind of allow them to start seeing like is dance something that's a hobby and something that they actually potentially want to venture into a, as a career field because sometimes it's hard to determine what it is that you want and you know to it's good for them to dive in in a safe space and see like really what it takes to do this as a career. Mm -hmm. And you truly are creating true artists as well because they're using a lot of their emotions and learning how to have their body interpret that, right? And mm -hmm, so, yeah. you know, versus just training a dancer, that's totally different than what you're doing, is what I see. Yeah, absolutely. And the artistry is, that's, you know, fine. I mean, I love dancers with great athleticism, but like if they don't have their own feelings and emotions to contribute, then it's really hard to create on them for me. I love different, I love uniqueness. I love different perceptions and different, um, you know, I love all the quirky, weird, strange things that make dancers up. That's what brings so much character and brings it to life. And, um, but you know, even just for the younger generation, like teaching them to speak their mind and be proud of their work and be bold and brave with their decisions, like beyond dance. I just think it's so important for our, our younger generation to like feel confident in who they are because we really need some leaders coming up in, in, in our world. You know, we really need some strong leaders. So whether they dance for a living or not, it doesn't matter to me. It's more about just 
instilling empowerment and bravery and confidence in their voices, whether it's about dance or otherwise. Absolutely. I'm just sitting here going, I love you. (laughs) I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you know, I also see that you do a lot of community service and giving back together with your dancers and instructors. So how often, I mean, I feel like you're so busy. So how often do you get to do things together to give back in the community? And how do you know which organizations to choose to partner with? Well, we do try, so every music experience, we try to make sure we get out there and get active in different organizations. But I also, we have our, what we call our Muse for Kindness campaigns that we do, um, try to do every month. And these are essentially ways of people, it's like teaching, teaching people how to give back. Like sometimes people think it's such a huge, like commitment or it's, going to like take up your full day or it's going to be too hard to find like for me it's about making giving back cool again for the kids it's about giving them the pride and showing them like how good it feels to give back and like understanding the importance of it with my muse for kindness campaigns what i look for are opportunities to get my community involved worldwide that is not going to take a lot of money or a lot of time but that is really feel that shows them like how good it feels and how much they can impact people. So for example, uh, you know, we just worked with the Valentine project and the Valentine project is an organization that basically puts Valentine packages together for kids who are suffering from terminal illnesses. So this is something that anybody can do, whether you live, you know, up the street in San Diego or you live over in Canada, you know, you can send a package to someone you can write a note, you can put in some, you know, some candy, you can do, you know, anything that you think they would like. And I think it's like such a simple thing, but it really is teaching them like how amazing it is to think of others. Or we have this organization that we really love called um, Aries Bears. And there's this sweet young dancer, Ariella, who actually passed away last May um, from cancer. And I had the fortune of being able to spend time with her before she died. And she was such a spunky, amazing thing. And she, um, she actually developed this organization by, because she would be sitting and getting her chemo treatments and she would see all these young children who didn't have any teddy bears or anything to cuddle with. And she said for her, like having her teddy bear with her during her chemo is what got her through. So she said to her parents, like, mom, dad, I want to find a way to give stuffed animals to these kids because it would make them so much happier. So they started this company for her, this, this nonprofit called Aries Bears that essentially helped people to get, you know, encourage them to donate stuffed animals used or new. So when I met her and I, I learned about her organization, obviously my heart was just touched. Um, so I actually called Build-A-Bear and we teamed up with them and I took a whole bunch of our musers over to Build-A-Bear and we made, I think like, I don't know, almost a hundred bears in one day. We just made a bunch of bears and sent them over to her. Um, and then it was just amazing to see, you know, that, that feedback and just how happy she was, even though she was sick, she was thinking of other people. And I think that alone is so inspiring to these kids like you know here this girl is and she's going through chemo herself and she's thinking about others like we can all be inspired by her and do the same right wow that's amazing you know for people who are listening and just want to help spread the word about your organization or maybe you get get you connected to somebody how how can they get more involved or how what kind of help do you need to push the needle forward 
Absolutely. Well, I think um, a lot of times the cha- the challenge is, of course, because they're nonprofit is funding. Um, because to create PSAs, to create dance films that are impactful and effective, obviously takes money to have rental space. I mean, rental space alone is $60 an hour. So if you can think that it takes us maybe, you know, anywhere from eight to 20 hours to put together a film, depending on, you know, how big the the cast is like, that's a lot of money that, um, you know, goes into it. Not to mention, you know, renting space and getting costumes and, you know, doing whatever we need to do to make it right. So between um, our stage shows, which of course we like to travel with so we can impact greater communities to our films, to even just keeping the administration side going, like we always are looking for, other people to connect to that are willing and interested in pushing our unique uh, method of elevating social awareness forward. So um, people can find us on our website, which is museeffect.org. It's M-U-S-E-F-F-E-C-T.org. Um, so we can find us there to check out our, our, um, our website and all our work. And there's a link there to donate. Um, or you can always email us at team, T-E-A-M, at museeffect.org as well, and we can um, reach out there. But we're always, honestly, looking for people to connect with, not even for financially supporting us, but sometimes we find organizations that have this really beautiful mission that want to push their message forward through the vehicle of dance, and so we love connecting with people that way. Um, You know, we love, sometimes we have organizations like the LA Children's Hospital reach out to us for a gala to do a performance there. Like we love using our gifts and our our talents and our passion to give back and, um, and, you know, entertain and inspire people. So we're always looking to team up with with companies and individuals alike to kind of keep pushing uh, the use of art as a way of elevating social consciousness forward. So we're always excited to hear from new people and um, new friends. So definitely encourage anybody to reach out if they're interested in learning more about us or how we can sort of um, move forward together. Awesome. That's super helpful. In fact, I have a contact for you. Yay. This is always my, um, it's, it's kind of like my last question, but uh, from you, you know, what might be one piece of advice that you can share with my listeners on just getting out there and making the world a better place? I think a lot of times when we think about these ideas or we want to get involved, that looking at the whole picture in its entirety is really overwhelming. You know, if you're thinking about starting a business or starting a um, a nonprofit, or even just getting involved in something, it can be so overwhelming to look at the full picture. So I always say, back it up and just look at that next step, like that next immediate step. Because when we just take one small step, and then one one small step, and then continue forward, it's much easier and much more achievable than looking at the big picture, because sometimes it's so intimidating, it actually paralyzes people from even getting started. So I think it's just about writing that one email, sending that one text, commenting on that Instagram, sending that DM, whatever it is, it's just about reaching out and, and listening to your gut, like what affects you, what impacts you, like what ignites that flame of passion and just taking one step for it forward. Um, I think a lot of people say, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to reach out. They're not going to respond, but you never know. Like you never know who's going to respond and who's going to make those connections. So it's just about being brave and bold in your choices and, and not being overwhelmed by the big picture, but just taking that next step.
Thank you so much for tuning in to Connecting a Better World and thank you NOCO FM for supporting this show. If you haven't heard, NOCO FM is dedicated to bring diverse voices and spotlighting a unique culture to Fort Collins and beyond. For more information, please visit www.noco.fm. If you connected to something in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our contact info will be listed in the show notes, as well as you can reach us on our social media channels. Please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more shows, please tune in to noco.fm online. This has been a production of NOCO FM.